0: Rise and Climb with Anna as I share stories of hope and healing through hardship to help you overcome the obstacles you face today. Whether you are a teen, single adult, parenting, or just simply learn best through stories, this podcast will keep you inspired to answer to the call to Rise and Climb to any occasion life throws at you. Enjoy. We don't have an average dating story. I mean, our dates were over...
1: Over <laughs> some microwave food and a vending machine.
0: Yeah, in prison with guards Three watching years. us. years. They had to they had to lock you up to keep you off Anna, of me. Yeah. All right, everyone. That was obviously a little introduction of Michael and my story, and while there are many laughs, there was a lot of heartache, confusion, fear, unknown th- things going into being a prison girlfriend and what life would look like post-prison and if Michael was a safe person to be with and all the stuff that comes with Praying for a man with a past and then getting a man with a past. So I want you to know that we decided to share this because we have found so much freedom in being honest and open and coming and stepping into the light with our story. And we want you to know that no matter what you or a loved one has been through, what kind of past, God can redeem all things. And he wants you to walk in freedom. Satan wants you to walk in fear and shame, and we hope that no matter what it is that you know that you can admit to whatever you've done and there is acceptance in the family of God and um, really being able to turn from your ways. If God can change Michael and me, he can most definitely speak into your life. So I wanted to set this story up with a verse that really stuck out to me in my journey and it's from John 3 everyone knows John 316 this actually comes after John 316 and picks up at verse 19 through 20 and the judgment is based on this God's light came into the world and people loved the darkness more than the light for their actions were evil all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear of being exposed fear that their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. And really, I love Michael's story because it really is his turn from the darkness into the light. And with his offense, everybody knew about it. And the beauty and the redemption that can come from that, facing it, it's hard, it's not easy. But again, if he can change Michael and me, he can most definitely change you. So please, please, please enjoy the story and share it with somebody you think would benefit from it. All right, everybody. Tonight I'm here with my husband, Michael, and we're gonna do the backdrop of share the backdrop of his story and his faith and where uh we both grew in a relationship with the Lord, but specifically you did.
1: Yes, this is third time's a charm.
0: (laughs) Yes. Anna
1: has rejected my last two.
0: Yeah, because he's like...
1: I've been dealing with something for a couple years.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which is not the point of the
1: story. Anyways, but my story.
0: Yeah, because... And Anna
1: wants me to zoom through my formative years. So I
0: prayed for a man with a past in the Lord delivered.
1: Okay, that's so, what you want to go. On. Okay.
0: So, he's going to set up the backdrop on how the Lord became really real in his life.
1: Yes. So, I was raised in a Christian family. In my teen years, I really just was disinterested in my faith. I guess I mm-hmm. walked away, wanted a party, wanted to hang out with my friends and didn't think anything with church was exciting. Then Yes, yeah, so that behavior kinda of continued until I turned like twenty. And then I actually it's it's odd, I kinda of partied more when I was younger in my mm-hmm. mid-teens. And then as I got to like my twenty-year-old self, I spent more time helping raise two of my nieces and nephew nieces. So I just spent more time at home and during that time I actually studied with Jehovah Witnesses for like two years. And they were really nice, and they said some things that I just didn't have answers for because I really didn't know anything about my faith. They asked if I was a, excuse me, if I believed in the Trinity, and I said, I don't think so. Our church never talked about the Trinity,
0: (laughs) (laughs) because our church never,
1: never said the word Trinity when I was there, but they obviously believed in the aspects of the Trinity.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So just revealing that you didn't really think deeply about stuff at this time. Yeah, I
1: had no idea anything about my faith except <laughs> that God existed, and I believed that, and I believe that Jesus died for my sins. That was about <laughs> the extent of my theological knowledge at the time.
0: But you really truly <laughs> believed that, right? Yeah, I, I
1: truly believed in God. Nothing else made sense. I can actually remember in seventh grade getting in an argument with my friend Angela. Mm-hmm. Or we, or we called her Angie. Yeah. And basically, she said that she believed in the Big Bang. And I said, well, where'd the Big Bang come from? And at that yeah. age, I knew that there was something, it was missing something.
0: Yeah.
1: So they just, it didn't make any sense to me that mm-hmm. how can something come from nothing? I, yeah. You know, even in seventh grade. So that was the, the extent of my theological debate as well <laughs> at the time. And so moving on, Anna and I, since Anna's kind of part of my story and my spiritual journey, (laughs) uh, we did meet, our families met when we were five years old at a church up north. And I'll just skip through this real quick. But, And then my brother married his sister at 15 or 16. Mm -hmm. So we were always kind of in each other's lives and we knew each other um, since we were kids kind of growing up. Mm -hmm. So fast forward... To my well, 20s, I guess, yeah. um, I went to school to be a police officer at Nicolay Tech mm-hmm. up in Rhinelander, Wisconsin. <laughs>
0: Nobody <laughs> was wondering, but okay. Everyone
1: was, everyone was very concerned about where I went to school first. Um, so actually, first I started in Stevens Point, and it's kind of funny because mm-hmm. it has a backdrop to my my past. I went to Stevens Point for a semester, and I got... Good grades, nothing yeah. great, but I, for the effort I put in, I was getting like a three, three, four, and I didn't like do anything. I, you know, so I was like, It's not, I'm not, this isn't that hard. But I had a girlfriend at the time,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, back in high school, so I wanted to be closer to her. We broke up just before semester ended, and I moved back home, and mm-hmm. that's how I ended up being, <laughs> becoming a police officer because I went to the the guidance person or whatever. And they yeah. said, well, what do you want to be? You know, these are your options based on what you like. He's like, you could be a nurse or a cop, you know, he's like, nurses really, you know, you see a lot of blood. And I was like, don't cops see a lot of blood too? But, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't really like that. So I'm, I'm like, oh yeah, sure. I'll just go to law enforcement, whatever. You know, that was my decision. You thought
0: about your faith as much as you thought about your career path. Yeah.
1: No idea what I was doing. <laughs> and So I went to the, I went to school and I did well in school because I actually tried more because I Mm -hmm. quit partying so much and I actually applied myself. Yeah. Um, So I did really well in school and then graduated. Why did you
0: quit partying? Just naturally?
1: Yeah. It was in a stage of my life. I think I wasn't, I don't know what happened. It was really weird. I had a a zone in there of a couple of years where after I came back from Stevens Point because I didn't party much in Point. Yeah. It's because my girlfriend. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I want to just, I'm, you know, I'm not having fun here. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about the girl. <laughs> oh, and then, um, so, long story short, after after that, I, uh, I was hired as a sheriff's deputy. Okay. Shortly after school. And then I entered my douchebag years, as Anna calls them.
0: <laughs> do you physically remember <laughs> entering your douchebag years?
1: I do, because I remember my moral choices slipping. It's just kind of funny because I don't want to throw anyone on the bus and I won't use any names, Mm. but I was corrupted after I became...
0: A cop. (laughs) A cop by
1: other people in the community. Um, Yeah. Not all of them, obviously. There was a lot of really Mm -hmm. good people. Um, But the younger partying crowd, Mm -hmm. you know, and that was... So I I started making more morally questionable choices then. Mm -hmm. Um, Led to... A lot of unhealthy relationships with women. Um,
0: and before this, what was your view of women and sex and kind of this idea of your moral guidelines? Because I remember you saying that you kind of believed that. No, yeah,
1: yeah. Like, with my first girlfriend, Yeah. I believed that, you know, whoever you sleep with is the person you're supposed to marry. Like, that was what I believed. <laughs> Why
0: did you believe that? Because in
1: because ultimately I really did love yeah. you know is from what I knew at the time of yeah. what love was infatuation more mm-hmm. like but I really did love my first, very real, first girlfriend yeah. and I I was like I could marry her and, you know looking back thank yeah. you thank you Jesus <laughs> uh, cuz <'cause> there was <laughs> I mean, a lot of issues there
0: yeah but, but you were committed to but her but I was
1: committed to her and I was totally okay with marrying her yeah. at the time yeah And so after that, like I didn't see girls or do anything Mm -hmm. for like two years. I was that like wounded or, or whatever, (laughs) you know, whatever it is, you know, the first crush you lose. Mm -hmm. And we dated for, I don't know, like a a year. You were
0: heart sick. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was kind of my view going in and -hmm. then. After I became a sheriff's deputy, we just came, we would party more and hang out with more girls and everyone Mm -hmm. was very flirtatious. And I was naturally, I can be naturally flirtatious, but Mm -hmm. I can also be naturally dry. (laughs) So it depends on my mood.
0: Well, which is kind of why you, that personality was why you always said we were a lot alike. Without outgoing and and that sort of thing, kind of that party scene.
1: Yeah, we can be very similar, because I can definitely be the life of the party at times.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, in in ways you still do that, like Mm -hmm. with your family gatherings and stuff. Yeah. So that was you at the time. You really, that part of you really came out. Because what were Mm you voted in high school, most likely? Most likely
1: to go to Hollywood. (laughs) (laughs) I had like, I... Oh, this was how pathetic I was at the time, though. In terms of responsibility, I never went to pick up my like yearbook. Yeah, so I still don't have it.
0: You're such <laughs> so a jerk I had all these
1: things in the yearbook, yeah. and everyone normally like leaves them as a memento, and I just never went to go pick up mine. Oh my gosh. So yeah, because okay. anyways, we're way in the weeds here, but
0: um, so, so that
1: was my so my spiritual as a slow space, fade. so so, yeah, when the extent of my faith is God exists, and Jesus died for my sins, and i this is the one good thing I definitely knew what sin was, yeah, so' you were convicted. I knew that I shouldn't be sleeping around, mm-hmm. I knew that I should not be drinking like I was i mm-hmm. you know I, I knew I shouldn't be doing this long list of things, but at the time, all I would do is pray, you know. God, just forgive me for my sins, you know, because I did pray a lot. It sounds mm-hmm. so weird. I was such a douchebag, but I did pray a lot, and just say, God, you know, please forgive me. Yeah. You know, and then I would, you know, feel morally a little bit better because I prayed. So I'm like, okay, now I can go do it again. You know. <laughs>
0: you went to that's confession. About how, that's about how stupid
1: I was at the time.
0: In- and at um, this time, too, you were making a decent salary for a single guy. Yeah, so you're buying I was things. Buying
1: things. Bought a new truck, and Anna thought I was a douchebag when I drove it by their campsite.
0: Yeah, I was camping with his brother and my sister. Yeah. He came in with his bubblegum music.
1: I was. <laughs> I always did listen to bubblegum music. Did, to this day, I still prefer upbeat music over that.
0: What? What was your favorite crap. playlist? Didn't you have a playlist, a CD no, that you I made? Ha-
1: I did, but it didn't have a name. A
0: cassette. So, yeah.
1: It was. It was a CD, honey. I, mean, I was. Yeah. I had but, that. Like, Miley, that was an. Uh,
0: Miley Cyrus, all those kind that of. That was an MP3 pop. CD. Oh yeah.
1: I was so, big on them. Okay,
0: so this is so on the, but on the outside, you wouldn't necessarily know to say it. And it's he's
1: a bad no, guy. No. You're just because, a very normal. Yeah. Because minus my choices and women and drinking, I mean, when I wasn't doing either of them, I was very stand-up guy.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah.
1: So, that being said, we'll kind of get on with the story yes. here. So, that,
0: that sets it up. So, you're making not good choices. Yep. Morals are fading. So, then... What's your mindset at this time? These morals are fading. You just...
1: I think a lot of it was. So I studied with Jehovah Witnesses, right? Mm-hmm. And then I was just kind, conf- Like, I kind of believe some of their stuff, but that I wasn't in all their stuff. So I was a little.
0: Did we talk about Jehovah Witnesses yet on this
1: recording? Oh, I don't know. No, okay,
0: so we stopped the recording. So, Aunt,
1: see, this is when she kicked me off the last couple. <laughs> so I get confused.
0: Okay, so Jehovah Witnesses started coming to your.
1: My like, parents' house. So yes. when I was with Jazzy and Callie. Yeah. Uh, which your are my nieces. two my two nieces that I helped raise at the time. So that was also in the time where I really straightened up and I didn't party. I didn't really yeah. do much. I just was at home and studying. I was really focused before on you studying. were a cop. Before I was a cop, okay. I really in focused in, in studying. And and
0: you were kind of the living nanny for your brother. <laughs> I was.
1: Yes, I was. So which actually prepared me very very well for parenting.
0: I know. You've already gone through a lot of stages that I'm still going
1: through. Yes. I'm very and and
0: you and you kind of describe it, how do you describe it when you remember think back on those memories raising young little girls?
1: They both had a week of diarrhea and vomit all (laughs) happening at the same time and I was losing it. You know, just everywhere. It's all over me. And then as soon as I get cleaned up, the other one poops out of her diaper, out of the couch or something. I'm cleaning that up. It was horrible for like a week, but we got through it. Yeah. And the thing is, even in them moments, what I, what I got out of that was, The kids can still melt your heart, Mm -hmm. even though you're so mad at them, like, two (laughs) seconds later. Yeah. Or, Mm -hmm. and vice versa. You're mad at them, and two seconds later, they melt your heart. Mm -hmm. But that's just the way kids are.
0: Yeah.
1: I think God does that, so.
0: So that was your stage until you became a cop, and then you kind of started And so
1: then I got into my party mode. I would go out on the weekends with my buddies, and I just started, like, sleeping around with a lot of different um, women at the time. then that led to a relationship with like an 18 year old and then that led to a relationship I had with an underage girl and then at that time was at probably my lowest point in my life because I remember praying for the first time that day or like shortly actually this wasn't after it was after my relationship with the underage girl dissolved um, and I just had a, another encounter with this um, woman that I worked with. And I was very, just woke up feeling horrible about who I am. I didn't Mm -hmm. like myself. And so I finally prayed and I just said, God, you know, I said, God, forgive me. And then I said, actually, God change me. I don't like Mm -hmm. who I am. And that was shortly thereafter. Um, I would say, what was it? Maybe two weeks later. I got a call from the de- a detective um, saying, mm-hmm. hey, I need to talk to you about this relationship you had with an underage girl. So I'm not going to highlight a ton of all of that detail just to maybe point up some important parts in terms of my spiritual life and how this really was a catalyst for change in my life. And it really started with that prayer. But then, when I had the interview with the detective, I obviously lied to him about. I told half the truth and lied, and then I was uh, in my room one night just praying. So this because
0: was, the girl kind of came to you was saying she
1: asked me what I wanted her to say, and I just said, "Don't lie for me. It's not mm-hmm. you know, it's not your place to lie for me."
0: But she kind of she she didn't she wasn't pressing charges.
1: Yeah, um, I know you don't. Yes,
0: and we're, we're not going to go into tons yeah. of that, but but kind of setting it up where you're you were at, where you didn't necessarily have to uh, tell the truth. So yeah. that's what's kind of neat is a story about how you could have probably gotten away with things. Yes, but that's extent, not the point. But yeah, it's
1: not the point. And then, so God was speaking to me one night. I was just praying about everything and obviously feeling a lot of anxiousness, you know, at the time I didn't even know any of my feelings, Yeah. but I was obviously anxious about what's going to happen in my future, what's going on. I just resigned from the sheriff's department and had no clue what my future was going to look like. And so I was in my room praying and God just really pressed it upon me and just said, said to me in, you know, internally, not in an audible voice that you need to be, you need to tell the whole truth. Mm-hmm. You have to call the detective back and just tell him the truth. And so I called the detective and I told him everything, which in, in a fact at the time was really sealing, um, my future, my fate, mm-hmm. you know, I, that was the determining factor. My admission was going to seal my prison sentence basically.
0: And mm-hmm. you knew it's, that. Yeah.
1: And especially being a, a sheriff's deputy or in law enforcement, mm-hmm. I knew that there was going to be an extra stringent sentence mm-hmm. on because. because it was a violation of my duty, you
0: know. Mm-hmm. Um, but so let's back up a little because y- you, God was trying to warn you that you were on a bad path. were Didn't you get some dreams? And oh some yeah. Visions? So that
1: was yeah. I always had. I would come into work, and this was before I was even doing anything illegal, or having that relationship with mm-hmm. her, which was the illegal act. Was I would come into work and just. A vision would flash inside of my head of my name being taken off my mailbox at work, mm-hmm. and know was just very weird and odd. And at the time, I didn't—you
0: just wrote it off. You write it yeah. off,
1: and that I had multiple issues like that. I can't remember the other mm-hmm. ones.
0: You had a um, um, dream or some vision a Vision
1: of... of me like being in jail, yeah, I'm like in handcuffs. I'm like, that's weird. So I did have a lot of um, premonitions, I guess, from the Lord about what would happen. Him. And, Uh, ignored them. A lot of that just comes to sin Mm -hmm. and your sinful nature and your desire to just see what you want to see. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I'm talking a little more quiet. I do that when I'm thinking a little bit more deeply.
0: Well, yeah, because you, I mean, you had a good life. You could buy anything you wanted with (laughs) debt.
1: With (laughs) debt. I was horrible with my finances horrible with my moral choices yeah (laughs) there's a reason you thought it was my douchebag days
0: and so on the outside you i mean you were still like michael you know respectable everything but you could tell so i at this point i had become serious in my faith So I could tell that he just wasn't making great choices in life, but in sense of partying and the lifestyle that comes with it, but nobody figured anything illegal or anything like that, but because you just weren't around family much, you just kind of partied and did your own thing more so than were around family. So that's what I I was sensing, but you kind of knew something was off. You Mm -hmm. definitely knew you weren't following the Lord, but... Nothing. So nobody knew anything illegal had happened
1: mm-hmm.
0: with your relationship. No,
1: and then that was a big part of it. So before I felt God press upon my heart to be honest and tell the whole truth. Um, so this was in between. There was probably like a one month window between my interview with the de- <clears throat> sorry my interview with the detective, and then the time where God said you need to tell him the whole truth, and during that time. I decided I need to go to church. I got to change something because my life is not working the way I'm building it. And so...
0: Oh, okay. I want to back up as well and set the stage because um, it wasn't just this relationship. You had struggled with porn, Mm -hmm. chat room type stuff. Can you explain that cycle of addiction in, in the sense of where you were at in your decisions?
1: Um... Yeah, I don't know. I guess what you what you are meaning it is a cycle, but I don't. You almost answered the question, (laughs) so I don't know. I don't know where you want me to go. You would go
0: on spurts where you would like. Oh yeah, so I
1: could go on spurts of like not looking at porn or anything for Mm -hmm. four months, Mm -hmm. and then it it was almost like what you would consider. What's that like the like a binge, you yeah. do like a binge and then a, a fat, burn, you know, burn, f-
0: you burn, cruise, and then whatever, done. yeah, <laughs> similar binge, to diet mm-hmm. issues, yeah, binge and purge type, yes, thing. yeah. So you would go, so you because it was all on your strength, but, but you felt convicted to not look at porn even before you were following the Lord.
1: Oh, I told you, I always knew what, what was sinful okay. and what wasn't okay. It was never a question of what's right or wrong, yeah, it was what. At the time, it was what what to f- what feels good to me. Yeah, you know, as sad and sick as that sounds, but that that's just what but it that's was. But that's why very you're selfish. really
0: sensitive about feelings these days, and you're really.
1: Um... <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we don't want to get too no. carried away. But, into I, that, I, but I'm yes, trying I'm, to set
0: the stage because it's not just like, oh, God had to help you because this relationship like came in went. This relationship was a small blurb in your. In In my sin pattern. Yeah. There was a lot of other things going on. A lot of other very deep personality things going on. (laughs) Because it reminds me of what your sister said about you. You being changed. And somebody was like, yeah, but Michael changed. And Jackie said, no, don't you remember how Michael used to be? And she started singing the song. You're so vain.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I had a couple problems.
0: Yeah. So so that's where you were at. And so God called you to change. You felt called to church. You hadn't been to church in a really long time. Who all knew about what was going on at this point in your life with the detective? So
1: I told my parents, I think a day before I spoke, the day after I spoke, with, or a day before day after I spoke with the detective
0: and told him everything and told
1: him everything okay <clears throat> and then it would have been just my parents at that time and then I would decided I think it was the next day I, I I know it was after but I the day I don't I can't be for sure but I believe it was the next day I said I I would like to go to church with you. And it's funny because my mom was going to ask if I want to go to church with them.
0: She was feeling led to ask you, but she didn't have and to. And I
1: asked them. Yeah. So I went to church and they had a guest preacher there. His name was Pastor Jones. Um, Pastor Jones was from Washington, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he was up just preaching or whatever. And I haven't been to church in a couple of years. So I was like, I recognized some people that were there mm-hmm. still. But I sat in the pew or was standing in the pew. It was right after praise and worship, and I just prayed in my head, you know, with my eyes closed, and I said, "God, Jehovah, Jesus, whoever you are," because <laughs> I was very confused after studying with the
0: Jehovah, Jehovah Witnesses.
1: Because I went to a couple of their services too.
0: In what what did you observe when going to them?
1: I don't want to get in the weeds. Just.
0: I, you just remember uh, not, not feeling the presence of the
1: Lord. Yes. I, I don't want to get... It, it would be a long, long conversation. but So I was praying that in my parents' church, which is Upper Room. And I prayed in my head, and I just said, God, Jesus, Jehovah, whoever you are, if this is real, have the pastor call me forward. And like 30 seconds later... Pastor Jones looks up at me. He kind of stops what he was saying and he says, You come forward. God has a word for you. And I was like, looking around behind <laughs> my back. And I'm feeling very like weird and tingly. Yeah. You know, oh my gosh. So he calls me forward and basically tells my story without a not a not a lot of details, but the story of what was going on yeah. behind the scenes. And then said, but God has chosen you, and you will walk with your head held high, and this circumstance you're going through will not define you. Mm -hmm. And it was just so impactful at the time that when I walked back, I said to mom and dad, did you tell (laughs) them? And they're like oh we've never seen him before it was his first time being at church Wow! so that it was so crazy and it was the answer prayer i needed at the time and so that was really the start of my spiritual journey in Mm -hmm. any meaningful sense Mm -hmm. so that went on gosh we then shortly thereafter god spoke to me about telling the whole truth Mm -hmm. and i told told the truth um then i went then I was, you know, on bond because they were gonna they were filing charges against me. Um, I was on bond for about a year and a year and a half,
0: mm-hmm.
1: a year and ten months, something like that. I, I I don't remember offhand. And during that time, my there was these like DVDs that were brought to our house and are just sitting there. One time, and they were like a creation science thing with Doctor Dino, <laughs> and so I watched like. I think there was nine or ten CDs. I watched all of them in two days because I had nothing to do. <laughs> uh,
0: no, the guy who brought them to your mom was an atheist or something. He, you know,
1: the guy who brought them to my mom was an atheist who I had arrested multiple times. And he said my mom would kill me if I just threw these out. Do you want them? So he gave them to her. And then yeah. my mom just brought them home. And she's like, be careful. I don't know what's on them. <laughs> so I watched all nine or ten DVDs. Then it was a lot of things I've never heard, things about my faith I've never heard, and just things about why I could trust the Bible I've never heard.
0: Can you explain why? People might think it was personal, but it's answered questions. Answered
1: questions I had about God. So a lot of them, and now in retrospect, Mm because I've done a lot of more research since then, some of Dr. Dino's arguments were not the most (laughs) compelling or... Well, formulated, yeah, yeah. Do- some information. <laughs> of doctors' diagnosed uh, information's a little extinct, but the premise of it was there is another way to view reality, mm-hmm. and the physical world around it can be matched up with the biblical narrative, mm-hmm. and that narrative being um, that God created the universe, you know, in six days, as He said, mm-hmm. and this idea that I was in school and they talked about evolution a lot and I paid well as much attention to that as I did to theology at the time. But it was just answers to, um, or at least probable explanations mm-hmm. to some of the um, questions I had about why everyone's talking about evolution and mm-hmm. is evolution compatible with the Bible, things like that. And ultimately, I fell down on the negative. It's not, but evolution is nowhere near as compelling um of an argument as they think, and Mm -hmm. depends how you define evolution and all kinds of other things, but um, we don't need to get into that too much. But So that kind of started, because I didn't just take Dr. Dino's word for it, so to speak. I started a lot more research and went through most of the real popular um, creation organizations like creation.com, Answers in Genesis, Mm -hmm. and I read pretty much anything they had Mm -hmm. and found their answers at least compelling and some of them explain some questions that I couldn't answer through like a more naturalistic worldview Mm -hmm. so that being said so I spent my time basically um researching now Mm -hmm. so that time when I was on bond researching and then just changing my life and rooting out A lot of my sin patterns, a lot of my sexual sins, obviously with people was easy, but then the pornography and things like that was more difficult. It took longer for me to root out, but I was convinced, and I think this is really important. That's why I share it, that when God says you're in new creation, that I took that to be literally true, that I am a new creation and I'm Mm -hmm. free from the bondage of my sin Mm -hmm. and that no longer can have a hold on me. Mm -hmm. So, but at the time, I thought that was like an instant thing. But what I realized is God strengthened me to overcome it. But it was a battle and it was a battle for my soul. And I think a lot of times um, Christians don't put enough emphasis on what it actually takes to truly become a new creation. Mm -hmm. It's not a one-time prayer. Mm -hmm. It is the one-time prayer is the start. It's kind of like that's the seed being sown Mm -hmm. in the field Mm -hmm. or on the stony ground or whatever Mm -hmm. it's going to be is up to you to determine the Mm -hmm. fertility of that soil. And that was the seed being thrown was pastor Jones. Mm -hmm. And then God was saying, okay, now, now, choose, it's like what Joshua said, choose Mm -hmm. this day who you'll serve, but it's not just choose this day, it's choose every day. Mm -hmm. And some days I failed, but as Proverbs says, you know, a righteous man fails, what is it? 70 times Mm -hmm. or 70 times seven and gets back up again, or seven times Mm -hmm. seven and gets back up again. And that was what I determined to do. Mm -hmm. And that determination and God's help really propelled me to, um, complete victory in a, a meaningful sense
0: mm-hmm.
1: over my sin, which I did not think was possible at the time, but people thought I was crazy. So <laughs> I had, I had prayer ticks. I had all these weird things I was doing to try to change my mindset and change mm-hmm. my view of things I focused on. Cause I used to always, I would womanize so much. Every time I saw a woman, uh, my mind would go down a rabbit trail and I'm like, God, will I ever get rid of that th- mm-hmm. thought? Well, I, you know, but I really trusted that he was able to get rid of it. And so I fought tooth and nail. And people thought I was absolutely See? insane sometimes. Because I would pray while people were talking to me because I'd have a bad thought. I would do all these crazy things. And I, man, did I I know I looked crazy. But I was at the point in my life, it's like, I'm already going to be going to prison. So how much worse can it get, you know? <laughs> so I just decided that that's it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get over this. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna overcome. And so during that time of my real change and that determination is when, um, Anna saw a change in me and we started mm-hmm. dating.
0: And I cannot believe that one of the issues I had with my future husband was that he prayed too much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she did say that a lot.
0: I was like, what is going Why on? Why
1: is he praying so much? It's
0: so weird. But God, God give me a special know.
1: love for me through that. I think because most women would have been running.
0: Like you had to run. Yes. So, the, and that from my standpoint, I had started to see Michael change. He was around family more. He's going to church. And there was visible fruit in his life. But we spent about a year apart. I'd called off my wedding and was going through my own stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you, you were. You'd went to jail for a little bit, was out on a bond. You spent, this was your year that you kind of spent really doing mm-hmm. a lot of that work. And, and so we'll Anna and I started
1: dating July 5th of 2013.
0: Mm-hmm. I yeah, believe. I think so. Yeah, so, yeah. And
1: that, that was about a year and a month after everything was going on with, yeah. with me. So I was on bond for, I think, until that following April. Yeah. yeah. So um, anyways, long story through there. But that gets us to...
0: And we can go into like our story more mm-hmm. later. So we will go into that more. But for now, we dated for about 11 months, and then you had your actual trial.
1: Mm-hmm. And that was when I was sentenced to three years in prison. Seven years. Seven years probation, mm-hmm. which is very biblical numbers. Mm-hmm. At the time, it was actually very meaningful Them numbers. Yeah. Uh, three days and three nights. Yeah. And, you know, in the tomb, Mm -hmm. as Christ was, and seven's always the number of perfection. So that being said, I was going through, if this this podcast is going to focus on my spiritual aspect, so I spent that year um, researching, you know, why can I trust the Bible? How do we Mm -hmm. know the Bible's trustworthy? And that was just very impactful for me, because it answered a lot of questions I didn't even know I had.
0: Yeah. Well, and for you, I remember you saying, understanding how God could create the universe and all that, you realized how powerful he was, that he was powerful enough to change you and mm-hmm. help you change. That's why that yeah. was important for you.
1: Yeah, and honestly, by the time I went to prison, I was free of my sexual sin, like free of... Pornography free of even my thoughts that I was, people thought I was literally going crazy, (laughs) but I was free of that by the time Mm -hmm. I went to prison. So in the grand scheme of things, if I had to spend one year of my life looking like a complete loon, Mm
0: -hmm. or a year and 10 months to be free, it
1: was well worth it because the freedom experience um, that I had was so amazing that, and I remember writing to my brother Joe on this, I think, or talking to him on the phone. I said, I feel more free now in prison than I ever felt outside Mm -hmm. because I was free from my own sin, Mm -hmm. from that dual nature warring inside of me. You know, I know what's right to do, but I can't do it.
0: Romans six. Yeah. Yeah. Just
1: that battle, internal battle. And to have victory and freedom in that was extremely um, impactful in my life. And I I felt so amazingly free. Mm -hmm. And then, so in prison, I went to school. Now, yeah, I decided to go to school for a degree in theology. So, I went. Um, I finished my bachelor's in theology, and then went on to um, get my or finish my master's in theology as well.
0: So, well, and why did you kind of switch from the biology world to more of the philosophy? So, yeah,
1: so that's a good question. So, I read obviously anything that the creation organizations had to offer. On their view of creation and why um, the old earth view was wrong. And then I would read things from the old earth view. Because Mm -hmm. at this point, I, I believed that God was real. It's how do we interpret the Bible? Yeah. And I read the old earth view. And ultimately, they argued past one another a lot.
0: And when you're talking old earth, young earth, view that the so, earth, yeah, is earth, earth is of,
1: millions of years old or earth is less or 6, 6, 000, 000. around 6,000 years. Yeah. Not an exact and that name.
0: the creation story is literally seven days and all that. Yeah. So there's so, a lot of Christians who believe in the millions of years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a very popular view, especially among apologists these days. So long story. I was in all that and. Ultimately, and then reading atheist arguments against um, creationism and all this other stuff, and ultimately, there was no way to really determine who was right Mm
0: -hmm.
1: in the end by science alone because science, by its very nature, can't answer them questions. Mm -hmm. So, I didn't even. So, at the time, I was feeling frustrated. This is such a God story how Mm -hmm. he's intertwined, and you really don't realize it till you look back at all the threads that he wove. so, I decided, well, oh, maybe I'll just get my bachelor's in theology when I'm in school mm-hmm. or, or, or in prison. So, I really treated it like college and I spent mm-hmm. more time studying than I ever did in regular school, you know? Yeah. So, I read this book by um, Norman Geisler called Christian Apologetics. And it was the first time I was introduced to philosophy. Mm-hmm. And what I realized is he was the he provided a blueprint for actually evaluating the worldview or the structure of thinking that people have. So, how, you can't by science prove that rationalism or atheism or creationism, um, mm-hmm. or th- sorry, theism or deism or mm-hmm. um, pantheism, panentheism, I can't by science prove any of them is right mm-hmm. or wrong. But I can by philosophy. And that was really impact, like eye-opening to me. Mm-hmm. So that led me to read a lot on philosophy. I read books on philosophy, textbooks mm-hmm. on philosophy. And ultimately, that was the foundation I needed to ground my faith. Now, I'm not, I know not everyone has to go through that, but I know that there's other people like me that mm-hmm. really need to know beyond any doubt why I, why I'm a You Christian. even had
0: to prove to yourself that women weren't God yes. at one point. So it <laughs> sounds
1: silly, but I did worship women. Remember, yeah. like yeah. they were my God mm-hmm. for years of my life. So I had to, this was later on, I had to literally run through a logical proof of why a woman could not be God, mm-hmm. which is funny because it's kind of counterintuitive because then I would also have to say, well, then Jesus couldn't be God. Mm-hmm. If a woman couldn't be God. Because, you know, so mm-hmm. there, cause there's some connection there. How could a mm-hmm. person be God? So I worked through that and that could be another, maybe a theological mm-hmm. podcast that we have where I go through that, the logical, <laughs> the logical reasoning behind that. But so really the heart of that book, and I only share this because it was so impactful for me, was the first principles of reality. So there's first principles that govern all of our thinking and all of our actions. And so we can, say something, but if it violates the first principles, we know that it is undeniably false because in order to deny the first principles, you have to affirm them. So I know it sounds a little crazy and I'm just going to go through this because it was so impactful for me, would be the law of non-contradiction. So you Mm -hmm. can't say that the law of non-contradiction is false. Well, then false would also would have to mean false and it cannot mean the inverse of, which that's what the law of non-contradiction says. Mm-hmm. So if you claim that the law of non-contradiction is false, it actually is true. So it. <laughs> so anyways, as is, is silly as that sounds, them first principles of reality allowed me to really evaluate worldviews. Them worldviews, I've ran through all of them with obviously the guidance of the the book, but then um, doing thought experiments of my own and how could I, you know, defeaters, how could I defeat mm-hmm. this view? Um, that's more of a philosoph- philosophical term, but... Then I came to the reality that theism is the only rational view of reality. Every other world view that's in existence and anyone that could be devised because there is um, a limited number of possibilities, they all ultimately are irrational at their foundation. They propose something irrational, like something coming from nothing or, mm-hmm. um, and this is going to sound a little philosophical, but, or, um, actualizing your own potentials, you know, like, mm-hmm. so something so simple, it's, yeah, you, you can't do that. You yeah. know, you, you can't be a potential and actualize yourself. Something outside yourself has to make it happen. Mm-hmm. So that, mm-hmm. that relates to more, um, panentheism and pantheism, mm-hmm. So of their worldviews at the heart. But for me, that was super important because from that moment on, my faith was sound and unshakable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what it took for me to get there mm-hmm. was, like five years yeah. before I was like, (laughs) no, five years going to prison. (laughs) And I was like, no, God is real, undeniably so.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: That being said, and I've evaluated all of the current arguments as well. I stay up on philosophy um, and they're just, Mm -hmm. they all still fail for the same reasons. Uh, They bring some important objections, some clarifications that really help us to refine our view of God, Mm -hmm. but they ultimately don't do away with the fact that God exists. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then that led me to, well, who is God? You know, how do I know that Christ okay. is God? And there's, so there's multiple assets for that in my own spiritual life. It was one, Christ makes sense of everything. Mm-hmm. He made sense of my own story. Everything he said about human nature is hundred mm-hmm. percent true. So that is just from a pragmatic standpoint, Christ works. Mm-hmm. And then I've read... The books on how do we know that Christ existed? Well, you know, I've died and died and and dove into all that, but ultimately it was I know. So, all them things added to my knowledge because I already knew God existed. So, it's an easy jump to say, well, obviously, God could represent himself in human form um, and die for our sins. But why would he do that? And then, but the whole story makes sense. So it was the Mm -hmm. first time I actually read the Bible too from
0: uh, cover to cover. And you realize
1: that it is one story, Mm -hmm. but it does not seem like it when you just go to church and they jump around passage Mm -hmm. to passage and passage to passage. I had no clue that it all told the one story.
0: Yeah. And... But that's why I say the Bible is often quoted, but very rarely read.
1: Yes, <laughs> so exactly. Yeah. And so when I read that, and I've read it a couple of times now, you see one picture that's painted over thousands of years, and it's mm-hmm. it's amazing. Yeah. Um, but all that being said, I've realized I could trust the Bible for historical reasons, and then I could trust that Jesus existed for historical reasons, mm-hmm. and I could trust that there's no other adequate explanation of mm-hmm. why Jesus's body was never found and why the disciples died for him. Yeah. And, but that was all just part of it. Cause at that point I already believed yeah. that Jesus died for me
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that, the he was, that he was, that he was real because he was my strength. It was his truth yeah. that helped me overcome
0: that's it's just it. It's, you know, Some can you argue over a life changed? And, and,
1: mm-hmm. and it's, there's actually, it was a philosopher, and I can't remember offhand, but he said, you bring to me 10 atheists who've changed their life due to atheism, and I'll bring to you a thousand Christians who have changed their life due to Christianity.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, that have overcome something mm-hmm. due to their beliefs, and, and Christianity offers the ultimate. It yeah. offers the only way to overcome. Yeah. Uh, and true freedom and so that was my and my as, spiritual journey and it's it's obviously grown and refined and yeah
0: and matured and well, in what you argue matured and yes
1: in what in what things even with the creation literature what things I would argue are a strong argument or yeah. not but I just hold them as secondary because they're they're ultimately all probabilistic arguments. Science yeah. only deals in probabilities. So.
0: so so you spent now we'll get back to this as as fascinating as this is, we'll have to do a separate philosophy podcast for the people who actually care about it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was important to, in my yes. journey. That's the only reason so, I share. It. So
0: yeah, so that and I do like that you shared that because a lot of people grow up around people I just believed, you know. And that doesn't When me- I heard
1: that, it was like that is not my heart. Yeah. I, need it. I need more yes. than that. It's great if that's you, but...
0: So for people who have a bunch of questions and have struggled with God, just knowing that there are resources out there, mm-hmm. you can reach out. We can put some of them in the show notes. Yeah, and
1: um, like anyone, I don't agree with... Even my favorite author, I disagree with him on multiple points. Yeah. And that's okay, and I think it's healthy. Because part of that, it, it, it relates to politics i don't want to bring politics in but it makes me realize that even people i like really like yeah. a lot of their ideas i can still agree with them about multiple things disagree yeah, with them yes, sorry exactly well
0: we don't even agree on everything yes and we chose each other to get married
1: <laughs> so,
0: okay, so you're in prison. I'm doing my thing, waiting for my prison boyfriend who's
1: She called me her prison mic.
0: My prison mic, you know, with the Dementas, <laughs> the slamma. But um and we'll go we'll have to go into more of that story, but on the outside I was Waiting for my man who was in prison, who's going to get out, and he loved me, and we we're going to get married and have family. <laughs> she,
1: she seemed like that girl.
0: You know, so, yeah, I definitely seemed like that crazy girl waiting for a fictional character to get out of prison. But we kept the relationship going, and then you were supposed to be in three years, but you did get granted early release. Yeah. Which is That's very true. uncommon.
1: Yeah, given my offense, it's... My probation officer said she's never had anyone have that happen before.
0: So. Yeah. So we chalked that up to God, mm-hmm. and then you, you stayed. And I got
1: out actually, what was it, a day or two after Christmas? Two
0: days after Christmas. Two days after
1: Christmas. <laughs> after Christmas. So it was a great Christmas present.
0: And then we got married four days <laughs> later. <laughs> and Because that story is we had done a lot of work. And we'll go yeah, into we more go of that later. That. But
1: ultimately, we were both ready, and we were both matured.
0: We were dating at four years at this And point. if we
1: can make it through prison. Yeah. <laughs> Man, we can make it through just about anything. We
0: can make it through those dementos. Even though
1: kids seemed like it was rough a couple <laughs> times. But.
0: but we've known each other for 30 years. Yes. And, you know, at that point, it was At that point, you years. should at
1: least know the person's character. Yeah. Or at least who they truly are versus what they project.
0: And, so. and, and honestly, I do remember, because I lived at Courtney's house, so this is before we were dating, but I prayed for a man with a past because I had seen God change people. And I would have rather had somebody who was already changed by God You know, it feels like a very selfless prayer, but it's actually super selfish because it's like, I don't want them to come with tons of bags. So God, if you can change them before we get married, that would be great. And he gave me you. And so I think it's important because if we're going to go and talk about marriage stuff... I think people have to realize how and why we have Christ at the center of our marriage. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have an average dating story. I mean, our dates were over.
1: Over <laughs> some microwave food and a vending machine.
0: Yeah. In prison with guards Three watching years. us. They had years. They had to lock you up to keep you off of me. And
1: yeah. It was more like. That's a five second embrace, not seven.
0: <laughs> we would get yelled at for. Hugging. They hated
1: us, though. They it seemed that. like we. I got yelled at all the time. It
0: did feel like. And I that.
1: was one of the most well behaved people.
0: So we're gonna just have to do an episode just on your prison <laughs> stories because those are ridiculous. I don't. I,
1: I know, but I don't want to slander anyone.
0: No, I'm just talking about how fast you would walk in prison, like wow. you had somewhere
1: to go. I did. I had a lot to do. Just because they have nothing to do doesn't mean I don't. I do. I have. I had a lot to do. I was in college, so I treated it like college. So I would get interrupted from studying, and I'd yeah. get very upset. It's like, come on, I got things to do, you know. So
0: so I, I just think that is interesting. I think the other thing that I want to point out is that, I mean, looking back now, your offense was against someone. Mm-hmm. There is a victim. Mm-hmm. So how do you view that? And, I mean, you, God has redeemed you. Mm-hmm. You you still have consequences, but you've mm-hmm. been forgiven. But there's, you know, there's women that you've hurt th- mm-hmm. and the victim, the, the girl.
1: Yeah, I mean, what can you really do to atone? Yeah. You, you know, you can't. And that's why you need Christ. That's why mm-hmm. you need his blood. I can't. Mm-hmm. Nothing you say, nothing you do mm-hmm. takes back an offense. And granted, in this particular circumstances, there wasn't any anger at them, at me, mm-hmm. if they were trying to defend me, which is wrong, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: But you also weren't going out predatory, like, trying to... Yeah, yeah. To so,
1: but regardless, so that being, that victim. being the stance, it's still a victim... In a way, because I was using my, you know, in a way I was using my position, even though mm-hmm. I, I it wasn't like directly using it, but mm-hmm. you know, my position and who I was at the time, I, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that were wrong about it and ultimately... I just treated them poorly. But mm-hmm. I treated so many women poorly.
0: Because you didn't they treat were, them. And they
1: were all a victim in that sense.
0: Mm-hmm. They it were not is, treated you know, as how God them. Because they were treated
1: them. with the value they deserved. Mm-hmm. And so what do you do to atone for that?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Besides, um, to an individual... You, you can't. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of funny because that's how it is with God. Mm-hmm. We can't atone for our sin. Mm-hmm. Once we've committed it, what do you do to get it back? Mm-hmm. You can't. So that's why God had to come. That's mm-hmm. why Jesus had to die for us. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing we can do on our own to atone even for a sin against a person.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Let alone, um, it doesn't matter if a murderer gets the death penalty and lethally injected. It still didn't atone for the harm caused to that mm-hmm. family. And it's the same way with our sins against God. Yeah, So it's the reality of, of God that it allowed me to overcome it really was like, God, if you've forgiven me, I'm forgiven. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean I don't suffer consequences, which I rightly should suffer mm-hmm. consequences. And I think a lot of people really have that backwards where they think, well, God forgave me, so there should be no consequences. It's like, no, in this, Mm -hmm. you still suffer the consequences for your sin, but God has paid the eternal consequence for your sin. Yeah. And that is the most important part of it anyways. But that being said, God still granted me amazing favor Mm -hmm. in so many ways. And he still does Mm -hmm. even given my past, um, the favor that's granted to me. So, yeah, so I, what, what
0: do you wish people because people hear the word sex offenders and it's a very intimidating scary mm-hmm. it's a, it's a hard word um what do you wish people would know coming from you yourself as a sex offender um, what do you what are some things that can help people well, and ultimately
1: community? I think for the most part you should be leery
0: mm-hmm.
1: of uh, sex offenders because a lot of them are not a lot of them don't have my story mm-hmm. because some of my, a lot of my stories don't get prosecuted in this way. So a lot of them yep. don't have my story. A lot of them are very dangerous people. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that being said, but they are still people, mm-hmm. and they still have a soul, and they still have just as much value and worth, even though they have consequences. Mm-hmm. They still do value have value and worth, and I think ultimately pray for them. But use discernment in your, you know, in your friendships with people because just because they say they're changed i went not in prison this is was the common theme there was at church there was 200 inmates mm-hmm. outside a church there was like four people that i would trust to actually believed in god mm-hmm. or live their lives in a way that mattered yep. so
0: well and in with that being said just cuz they're not a registered offender <laughs> doesn't mean you should trust them
1: either. yes ex- exactly yeah. and and that's what i mean that there is so many people that you would not um, trust, but that's why you really need the Holy Spirit's discernment mm-hmm. and just be more cautious about that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I say that because I don't want to just because I may be, I'm the, the 1%. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: And my story is really the 1% too. It's
0: well, even among men in church who struggle with porn is crazy high. Yes. You know, the amount the, the of that. I think it's like
1: 50 or 60%, right?
0: Yeah. I, I, I don't know. So or more. I can't just, remember just what the the fact that you, you do walk in freedom. Now, you always say that you're not above.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the, the key is humility. You know, mm-hmm. you walk in freedom with humility. Yeah. It's if I did something once, obviously I'm capable of doing it.
0: Or what? You know, just,
1: just yeah. rationally, yeah. you know, yeah. you're not, I'm not capable of it. It's like, well, I, no, I'm totally capable of Ten doing something. Yeah. You know, so you walk in the humility of realizing, okay, but then you also walk in the, the power of God daily, you mm-hmm. know, when you're putting on your armor of God daily, you're, you're yep. praying for his strength daily and, mm-hmm. but in a way it's. With know,
0: any sin. With any sin. Yeah.
1: and. Ultimately, it's just, it's it's your relationship with God. You're walking with him daily and then you don't have, uh, you, you're convicted of the little things. And yeah. I say this all the time and it's a big thing for me and a lot of people, including people that I really enjoy, don't do it. Mm-hmm. They take the little things for granted and them little things can be just little pieces of your heart that aren't surrendered to God, whether mm-hmm. it's picking on people or, and that's a big one. Yeah. But that little piece Satan can use,
0: mm-hmm. and so
1: it really is rooting out the little things in your life, and that becomes the big thing.
0: And for the sake of the stories, I can remember one time in prison, you calling me and admitting that you lustfully looked at a woman on TV, mm-hmm. and th- most people would laugh about that, but it was very. It's a, that stuff's very important to us, mm-hmm. and especially to you. Because you knew if you would have kept that hidden, Satan would use that. Mm-hmm. And so it is putting out yeah, those and fires.
1: And, yeah. And that's even what I would consider a bigger thing.
0: Yeah. You For know, cause, you. Because you,
1: yeah. them, them thoughts should be quenched immediately.
0: Yes. And, that is a bigger thing. But I'm saying in the, in yeah, yeah, yeah. most people think porn is absolutely fine. So why couldn't you look at it? Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. But in, and I'm talking about character issues. Mm-hmm. How do you hold your tongue? Do you, do you lie ever about something mm-hmm. trivial? And mm-hmm. that's like a big thing I get convicted on. It's like lying over something so stupid. And it's like, you don't even think of it as a lie at the time. And yeah. you're like very convicted by it. It's like, God, I don't want to do that little thing that is yeah. piddly.
0: And you but, call me one time and you're like, I just have to admit, honey, I said the word damn at
1: work. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was like, like, okay. like came out of my mouth out of nowhere. Cause as for me, um, as silly as that sounds, swearing is a big thing so Mm -hmm. because it's and people will be like oh it's just a swear word well i know it's just a swear word you know i'm not an idiot yeah but what swearing represents isn't Mm -hmm. a a little thing Mm -hmm. or isn't trivial swearing represents controlling my tongue yeah holding myself into account as james says you know controlling my tongue is harder to do than anything else you know i could Mm -hmm. conquer a city but i can't control my tongue Mm
0: -hmm. you know and that's what's just wild about what God really truly does. He takes a man who struggled with so much obvious things mm. and is just convicting of the little things. And, yeah, it, it means a lot. And I think sometimes people ask me, how could I marry somebody with such a scary past? And it's because they they aren't in those moments that you've built the trust in the little things Mm -hmm. so that, um, I I can trust you with the big things. So anything else you'd like to add or share?
1: Um, not that I can think of right now, honey.
0: Well, thank you for joining me on my podcast.
1: If we keep going, we'll hit an hour.
0: <laughs> We're not hey. trying to get an hour. <laughs> uh, I said I wanted under an hour, so this is perfect. Well, thanks, and we'll put some links in the show notes that we think will be helpful. And you will be back, so Lord willing. So yeah. that we Anna can... wants
1: a new format and more of me in it.
0: I do. I think she I... can't get enough of me. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, debatable. I enjoy our conversations, and I think other people would as well. So. All right. right. I love you, honey. Thank Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please give Rise and Climb a five-star review or share it with someone you think who would equally enjoy it. If you also feel so led, you can support this podcast with either a one-time donation or monthly subscription to help pay for sound and editing equipment that helps produce more kingdom-driven and relevant-to-the-times content. God bless.